0: You mm-hmm. All right, we're
1: glad to see you tonight, Iwana folks. Thank you for being here. Let's everybody stand tonight. Let's talk about Jesus. Everybody stand and sing with us now. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's talk about
2: Jesus, the King, the King of kings. Father, everybody bow your heads
1: with us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight that you've given us to come into your house. Pray your blessings upon our services this evening. Thank you for these Awana young folks, the teachers taking time out of their schedules to prepare and get ready for this evening. Bless them tonight for those efforts. Lord, bless our Bible study time together this evening. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let me have two young ladies, please, who want to hold my flags. Come on, girls. Two young ladies. Uh, Shane, you don't qualify as a pretty young lady. Amen. Not even
0: close. Come on, sweetheart. Come on, come on. our bibles everybody
1: got it ready pledge i pledge god's holy word i will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path and hide its words in my heart that i might not sin against god good job teachers and adults have a seat teens and all the I want to folks stay standing. We're going to do Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. I want to folks stay standing. I am honestly and truly too fat to sing this song, so if I pass out, just come pick me up and let's go. Here we go. One, two, three, I'm
2: going to Zoom, Zoom, Zoom out.
1: I love y'all. Uh, when we sit down by Jesus' side, y'all, y'all actually have to sit down by Jesus' side, or y'all got to come up front and let me embarrass you publicly. It's, uh, it's either your, it's your call, either thing you want to do. Here we go, from the top, Mr. Nate. One, two, three,
2: I'm You can head out tonight. Good job, guys. Good job.
3: there. Turn to hymn number 83. have to look down at the bottom of the page of hymn number 83. We'll be singing Rock of Ages. We'll do all three verses. Hymn number 83 tonight.
1: tonight uh let's remain standing we'll have some quick prayer requests this evening want you to continue to lift up chelsea if you would uh she is at home uh but she is still a very very sick young lady she can't have visitors and she'll be going back and forth to duke or baptist every day this week and next week for treatment so continue to lift up chelsea if you would Uh, I know she'd appreciate that. Renee took some things over today, right before church tonight. Baby, is that right? You took over uh, from the church some food. So pray for Chelsea, if you would continue to lift her up in prayer. Request on the left-hand side tonight. want to share with us quickly this evening. Anyone on the left? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely, sister. Thank you so much. Anyone else on the left? Yes, ma'am.
0: Amen. Absolutely. Sister Nichols? Absolutely,
1: Sister Donna. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Amen, Miss Janie. You bet. Sister Craig?
0: And what hospital today? Baptist. All right. Thank you, Sister Greg. Appreciate that. Anybody else on the, my left tonight? Yes. All right. Certainly. Certainly. All right. In the middle tonight, special outspoken request. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Appreciate that. Wow, somebody else in the middle. Yes, ma'am. All right, precious family. Thank you, Sister Cano. Appreciate
1: that. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Somebody else. Outspoken request in the middle. Yes, sir.
0: All right. Yeah, Josh. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Anybody else in the middle? Outspoken request. Brother Toller? Our night. All right. Thank you, Preacher. Appreciate that so much. Anybody else in the middle tonight? Outspoken.
1: All right, John shared with me Friday. I mean, Wednesday, Sunday, about one day this week. Uh, uh, his rotator cuff is torn again, and it's already already been operated on. They don't know what they can do about that at all. So pray for him. Thank you. Appreciate that. Anybody else in the middle? Yes, sir. Absolutely, brother Danny. Thank you so. Anybody else in the middle? Outspoken. On my right tonight, want to share an outspoken. Miss Edna absolutely absolutely james
0: absolutely son thank you tim appreciate that yes sir Amen. Amen, Charlie. Yes, sir. Anybody else on my right? Yes, ma'am.
1: Okay, absolutely. All right, unspoken request you want to share tonight. Unspoken, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you tonight in the precious name of Jesus that name that is above every name understanding and recognizing lord that you are an all-powerful god and lord you can do all things and all things that you do are right and well lord uh, we bring these petitions to you tonight i pray again especially for chelsea lord i pray that you would reach down from heaven's portals and touch her lord you know how sick she is and how much she needs a divine touch lord for so many requests that were mentioned tonight spoken and unspoken lord uh, we know that when we bring them to your attention and when we share our burdens with our brothers and sisters in christ we are fulfilling that biblical commandment, and Lord, we know that you do uh, all things well when you answer those requests. Give us, uh, Lord, the grace to uh, accept your perfect and divine will in each situation. Let's our Bible study time tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Let's have a song
3: of fellowship, Brother Ken. Amen. Page 269 in your red songbook there. Since Jesus came into my heart, we'll do the first verse, of course. Have a time of fellowship, hymn number 269.
1: Several announcements I want to go over with you tonight. First of all, Friday night, uh, we'll be loading up all of the water. That's a little bit of a change than what we had said originally. We'll be loading everything up. We'll meet here at the church for anybody that can help us. uh, We'll meet here at 530, and we've had a lot of folks in our community who've helped us uh, with collection. They're going to bring their things on Friday night, and I'll give a big shout-out to Barry Nelson and the folks at Nelson's. That's his trailer out there. He's actually providing the team that's going to take the water down for us on Saturday morning. So here's what's going to happen Friday night. Uh, we've got uh, pallets. We've got the pallet jacks. Brother Barry, is bringing Nelson, is sending over a tow motor uh, so that we can really get this stuff done quickly. We'll shrink wrap it. Get it loaded onto the trailer, and then at 7.30 Saturday morning, uh, Barry Nelson's racing team is going to head out, and they're going to take the water down to God's pit crew, and we've told them to take it wherever they need it. Originally, this was a Houston project, but now it is a whosoever needs it the most project, and we've told them that's what we want them to do with it. So if you can help us Friday night, gentlemen, or ladies, anybody that can be here, we'd sure appreciate it. I think with a good number of folks, it'll go pretty quickly, but we will have to take the water, load it onto pallets, Shrink wrap it and then get it onto the trailer. So that'll take some doing, and you're not going to load uh, uh, 1,500 cases of water in five minutes. So we're going to need some help Friday night, and we'll we're going to have I'll get you pizza and everything else to uh, uh, make sure you got some energy Friday night. So 5:30 is the time for that rescheduled hike. Uh, that was canceled due to rain, will be September the 23rd. I'll have that in the bulletin for uh, Sunday. Also, if you haven't signed up for the Christmas play and you're going to help us with the cast or crew, sign-up sheet is in the postal area. And then also Sunday night, we mentioned about the fundraiser that we are doing for uh, Operation Christmas Child. This is an I'm a Whosoever shirt on the back of it. It's got For God So Love the World and a I'm a Whosoever uh, overlaid. And then on the front, we'll have our church logo. There are order forms, and you need individual order forms. Everybody who's ordering needs an order form. There are some here and then some at the front. Cost is on there, $15 a person, and you can return everything. Yes, ma'am. I see that now. Thank you. I see that now because it does say the number at the bottom. Got it. Thank you, Mary Margaret. So ever how many per family you can take, and uh, you need to get that to Pam or Mary Margaret by October 1st. And, again, every shirt that you uh, uh, buy gets us another shoebox sent across the country or across the world. So we appreciate your efforts in that capacity. And uh, you can also advertise the church uh, at the same time. Fellas, make your way down tonight. Turn to the book of Ruth for me, if you would. Congregation, the book of Ruth tonight. Brand new series we're going to begin this evening, but let's collect our tithes and offerings. Uh, Lord bless the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. In Christ's name, amen. Turning to the Book of Ruth, Renee gave me a message. Please also pray for Morgan Davis. Uh, Morgan is the blonde headed girl that comes in, uh, sits with her mother. She went with us on the Ladies Jubilee as well. Uh, she'll be having gallbladder surgery in the morning at Rocky Mount Hospital. So pray for young Morgan if you would. Book of Ruth tonight, chapter number one, a brand new series. It will probably take us at least through the end of the calendar year, through the end of Christmas to get through this. We're going to go verse by verse on a series that I've entitled, Ruth, A Story of Amazing Grace. A Story of Amazing Grace. I will be very honest with you, Ruth is probably, if I had to pick, and I hate saying that because all the Bible's good, amen, it's all good, but if I had to pick one book that was my favorite in the Old Testament, it would probably be the book of Ruth. And I will tell you that uh, I've thought that for a lot of years, but it was solidified for me on March the 28th, and I'll quickly tell you why. Uh, uh, As as I've shared, I tried... To give you a few little snippets here and there, but on March the 28th, uh, which was the day my mother decided that she was going to end treatments for her cancer and for her other illnesses that she was suffering with, the Lord was so good to us. Uh, He gave us a, a day where mother had complete lucidity. She had wonderful thoughts. She had just a wonderful memory on that day, and we had a great day of conversation and discussing background and things like that, and my mother had never been someone who said she had a favorite preacher or that she had a favorite book or that she had, that I had heard anyway. She may have told Daddy, but I had never heard anything like that. But on that day, uh, on uh, March the 28th, uh, we just had a fantastic day, shared lots of memories, Mom planned her whole homegoing service told me to preach out of the book of Ruth and then that night I had told mother uh, told Renee to take dad home and let him sleep and I stayed the night with mother and so that evening she and I got to have some got to have some really good conversations and uh she said to me she said uh, Honey, she always called me sweetie and she sweetie when uh, when the church first merged uh, you preach through the book of Ruth uh, on Sunday mornings, and she said, that's my favorite thing you've ever preached. Mom had never said anything like that to me, so we're going to go through the book of Ruth, verse by verse, over the next few weeks, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. It is, by all accounts, I think, one of the greatest pieces of literature that's ever been written. Remove the biblical connotation. Remove the beautiful very clear, evident typology that is present in this book. It is a beautiful book of uh, simple literature uh, uh, that is spectacular in its scope, marvelous in its story, and at the same time, it is a story that we need to be very familiar with on an intimate level. As you will see as we study this together, Ruth is also the story of every born-again child of God. It's a story of how to come back when you're out of God's will. We'll look at that tonight. But it's also a beautiful story of salvation, how somebody who has nothing, is nothing, and has nothing to offer God is still very much sought by, loved by, and cherished by God, and the decisions that we make and the everlasting consequences that they have on our spiritual life, all of that is deeply embedded in the book of Ruth. So when we open chapter number one, we will look tonight at the first seven verses. We are introduced to a family, the father of who is named Elimelech. Let me say that again. His name is Elimelech. Elimelech has a wife. Her name is Naomi. Mama is Naomi. Daddy is Elimelech. They have two boys, two sons. Melon, chilean you'll hear different pronunciations of that from different folks, uh, but they have a family of four, mama, daddy, and two boys. You also need to understand uh, the time period in which this book takes place. It is a critical element to understanding the background, the culture, and the scope of this book. And the critical understanding of it is actually revealed in verse number 1. So let's read verse number 1 together if we can. Please note what it says. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Let's keep reading. That there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. I want you to see with me tonight four things that we will note together in these first seven verses. I want to set the stage, if I can, with point number one. This was a time in which there were desperate circumstances. A time in which there were desperate or there was desperate circumstances circumstances why what was taking place what was so problematic what was so challenging about this particular time period much of that is actually revealed in verse number one because in verse number one we find that there is a physical or material famine in the land all of you in here tonight are adults You recognize uh, that when somebody says, or when, in this case, the Bible says, that there is a famine in the land, it means there's no what? Food. You understand that that has significant complications. When there's no food, uh, your health begins to suffer, your mood begins to suffer, relationships begin to suffer. Please understand uh, that I am not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that this wasn't a challenging circumstance. Anytime uh, where a physical infirmity or a climatological infirmity happens, you see problematic periods. We're seeing that in our own country now. We see already down in Houston, we see in Florida with the two hurricanes, we see in the Pacific Northwest with the fires. Our country right now, seemingly on every corner, is suffering from some of these climate challenges and they have long-lasting implications. You understand that just because the hurricane's gone doesn't mean the problem's gone. In fact, the problems really occur now because the hurricane's gone. There was a famine. That's a big deal. That's a big problem. But beyond the Physical famine in the land, far worse than that is the spiritual famine that was also in the land. How do we know that there was a spiritual famine? How do we know that there were spiritual problems? How do we know that this was a time of ungodliness? It also is found in verse number one because it says in the first few words there that this was the time period of the what? Judges. Well, keep your little bookmarker there, please. Because I want you to see in the book of Judges, chapter number 21, you're going to go back just one little verse from where you are now. Ironically, when you read a short story today in modern English language, the ambiance of that or the setting of that story will typically be conveyed within the first few words, lines, or paragraphs, certainly pages. But when you look at the book of Judges, You have to get all the way to the end, and God gives us a very clear definition of how bad things were during the time period of the judges. Look at chapter 21, verse 25. The Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel, all right? But look at the next clause, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I challenge you tonight, this week, next week, go home and take a few days and read through the book of Judges and you'll find out what happens when people do what's right in their eyes, not God's eyes. You will find when you read the book of Judges that it was a society that had given to violence, sexual perversion, immorality, ungodliness, and these were the Jews, God's chosen people. Uh, Yet over and over and over again, uh, they found themselves in the depths of sinful depravity. Why? Because they did that which was right in their own eyes. Can I paraphrase that? They listened to the flesh and not to the Father. Can I pause just a moment and say to everybody in the room tonight, I know it's a Wednesday night crowd. I know I'm quote-unquote preaching to the choir, but every once in a while the choir needs a good message. When we listen to our flesh and not the Father, it is a recipe for disaster, because in your flesh and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You see in the book of Judges, the characteristics of the age, The culture, if you will, the society norms and morals uh, marked by lawlessness, idolatry, false religion, theft, drunkenness, violence, national division, civil war, and extreme unbelief, all of which are painfully displayed in the book of Judges. Preacher, what does that have to do with anything? The book of Ruth happens during the time of the Judges. The book of Ruth unfolds during the time of Judges. So there was a material famine in the land, but there was also a moral famine in the land. Before we get to point number two tonight, I would be remiss if I did not pause and remind all of us that oftentimes when we go through life, God will orchestrate famines in our lives. Let me say that again because... I know we don't like to hear that. We always have this idea that storms or trials or circumstances or tribulations or famines or whatever other metaphor you want to use, we have this idea that those always have to be because God's mad at us, because that's the punishment of God. May I say to you uh, that you read the book of Job and you will very quickly find out uh, that there are times uh, where God does send storms into our lives to correct us, but there are also times when he sends things to perfect us you need to understand this tonight. Famines may take the form of a financial famine where there's too much month at the end of the money. Can anybody say amen there? May take the place of a physical famine where health, yourself or a family member, begins to deteriorate. And you won't hear many preachers say this, but you'll hear this one. Sometimes there are spiritual famines where it seems like you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and you're getting nowhere and you just can't seem to get through. Whatever form it takes, if there is a famine in your life, how you react to that famine experience determines whether it's a time of blessing or a time of devastation. Look at me carefully, folks. Our church histories are littered with people, littered with families who went through a famine And never recovered. Famines, uh, families uh, who went through trials and circumstances and difficulties. uh, And they just never got back to the place of spiritual blessing. I say all of that because I want to underscore this. These were desperate times. Child of God, please do not think for one second that we too won't go through desperate times. Desperate times unfortunately, gave way to dangerous choices. You see, I hope you'll amen right here. Oftentimes, extremely difficult times in our lives can lead to some really bad choices. Really difficult times in our lives, challenging times, difficult circumstances will lead us to make some really bad, bad decisions. And I'm going to show you tonight that Elimelech, daddy, the father, the husband, he made three really bad ones. And there were some major consequences. What did they do that was so bad? Number one, look at verse one. They left the promised land. They left The promised land, look at verse number one again, came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, a certain man of Bethlehem went to sojourn. What's the next phrase say? In the country of Moab. Goes on to say, and his wife and his two sons. Verse number one tells us that Elimelech is a resident of Bethlehem, Bethlehem of Judah. Bethlehem, if you will, a place that means house of bread. Judah, a place that means praise. But there was no bread in the house of bread, and there was no reason for rejoicing in this place named praise. And so when the trials came, when the circumstances mounted, Elimelech said, even though this is the place God gave us, even though God says stay here, even though God says this is the place we're supposed to be, I know best. And we're leaving. So Elimelech packed up his wife, packed up his children, and he left the promised land. I'll remind you, this is the place that God gave the Jews all the way back in Genesis chapter number 12. This is the place... There, God said, I'm gonna give you a place and you stay here, I'll bless you. Uh, don't leave, uh, don't intermarry. Uh, in fact, uh, have nothing to do with the folks that are originally there. Uh, make sure uh, that you remain true and faithful to God. And, and I always get to this point, and I know there are people in the congregation who inevitably think, but wait a minute, preacher. There's a famine in the land. He's gotta feed his family. Can I pause a moment and say that the God who fed 5 million for 40 years in the wilderness can sure take care of the Jews that are living in Israel then. The God that had been so faithful to those Jews in giving them the promised land is surely not going to abandon them now that they're in the promised land. I want you to understand something, folks. It wasn't that he just left Bethlehem. It wasn't that he just left that city Verse number one says he went where? Boab. You flip tonight, don't do it now, but you flip tonight to your Bible maps. You'll see where Boab is. Again, using our church as the analogy. Here's the Jordan River. Two and a half sides, two and a half tribes on this side. Nine and a half tribes on this side. You cross the Jordan River, you get to the two and a half tribes, Then you go beyond that and you go into the wilderness, uh, part of which is known as Moab. You go back tonight and you look in the book of Genesis, you'll see where the Moabites descended from. It's a horrible story. The incestuous relationship between Lot and his own daughter produced a child named Moab. Their descendants became Moabites. They hated the Jews. They were a thorn in the Jews' side. Even when they were wandering around in the wilderness, the Moabites attacked them. The Moabites tricked them along with the Gibeonites. The Moabites were a constant, constant pain to the Israelites, to the Jews. And they not only were such a pain, they hated God. They made their hatred despised of God very clear. And in Psalm chapter 60, verse 8, or the 60th Psalm, God says that Moab is a washpot, Can I tell you what that means? You understand that when a dignitary comes to your house or someone of some importance, he is inevitably wearing sandals. Those were the shoes of the day. There's no cobblestones. There's no bricks. There's no pavement. There's nothing but dirt. And so, one of the first things uh, that someone would do if someone of importance came into their house uh, is summon for the servant, uh, and the servant would wash the feet of the dignitary in what was known as a wash pot. God, because of their hatred for him, called the Moabites no better than a wash pot, hated God hated God's people, constantly attacked God, uh, constantly opposed God. Uh, So I submit to you tonight uh, that it wasn't just that they chose to leave the promised land. The greater problem was that they chose to live in a polluted land. Please get me tonight. As I described how wicked Moab is, can you say amen to the fact God's people don't need to be there? You see, by choosing to live in Moab, Elimelech has just separated his family from God. Elimelech has separated his family from the temple. Elimelech has separated his family uh, from home base, if you will. No more keeping of the law. No more taking the, servant, uh, the, the sacrifices. Uh, no more keeping of the Sabbath. Uh, none of that happens now. Uh, why? Because they've left the promised land, uh, turned their back on God, uh, heading into the wilderness of Moab, a polluted land. I want to pause a moment and say, book of Ruth perhaps more than any other book in the Old Testament, is beautifully representative of the Christian life. Do you listen carefully tonight, that is such a clear statement of what happens to so many believers. Things are going a little bit difficult in their life problems, circumstances, trials, and you begin to little, get, get a little bit discouraged. Don't nod your head, don't say amen, but you ever walked in them steps uh, where the circumstances of life get you a little bit discouraged about God. You understand that a discouraged Christian is Satan's playground. A discouraged child of God has got a bullseye on him or her, and suddenly you start missing church. Suddenly you get a little bit critical, and before you know it, you're out of church, and there are consequences to living out your life in a polluted land. I get amused. No, I shouldn't use that word. I get astounded sometimes at the depths of sin to which Christians can drop. And I don't say that accusatorily because therefore, with the grace of God, go every one of us. There's not a sin in this world that a lost man commits that a saved man can also commit. Uh, but when we walk out of the place of blessing, uh, when we walk out of the promised land and we died, decide to take a little sojourn down into Moab, uh, we're on the wrong pathway, church. Notice, not only did they leave the promised land, not only did they live in a polluted land, This is the worst part. Go to verse 2, please. Name of the man was Elimelech. The name of the wife, Naomi. Name of two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. They came into the country of Moab. Please say those next three words with me. One, two, three. And continue there. And continued there. You understand tonight, folks, this was not a temporary visit of Elimelech and his family. They didn't just go to Moab uh, for a vacation trip. Uh, In fact, uh, before you know it, days become weeks, and weeks become months and months years. uh, And you'll see in verse number four in just a moment uh, that they ended up spending 10 years there before they knew what had happened. 10 years outside the land of blessing, 10 years outside of the promised land. I think tonight this indicates uh, that not only did Elimelech and his family go into Moab, uh, but Moab got into them. You see, folks, that is inevitably the course. The child of God gets into the world. Before you know it, the world gets into the child of God. You understand tonight God, please amen me here. God didn't save us to end up back in the same slop pig we got out of. God didn't save us to go wallowing around in the same mess he saved us out of. He saved us for a life that is joy unspeakable and full of glory, but that only occurs in the place of blessing, that only occurs in the promised land. The moment we start taking a journey into Moab, we are walking away from the very life God promised he wants for us. Yeah, there's pleasure there. Hebrews even says that. Do you understand the temporary fleeting pleasure of the flesh pales in comparison to the sweet presence of God? So what's the big deal? Well, I want you to see what a big deal it is. Because simply put tonight, desperate circumstances gave way to dangerous choices, which ended up with deadly consequences. Deadly
0: Consequences. Please look, if you would, down at verse number, let's read verse 3 and 4 together. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two
1: sons. Now, that's a horrible statement to have to make. Father died, Elimelech's passed away. But Naomi's okay because she's got two sons. You've heard me say on many occasions in that society, there was no social security system, no state subsistence, if you will. Uh, and the care of unwed or widowed women always were left to the male offspring. So, so Naomi is okay because she still got her sons. But would you listen to me? You spend 10 years out in Moab, there's going to be some significant repercussions. What happens? Verse number four. They, who's the they? It's a pronoun. Go back to the noun that precedes it, and you'll see the noun in verse number three is the two sons. So the they are the two boys. They took them wives of the women of Moab. Ding, 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 ding. That ought to throw up every one of our radars. These girls know nothing about God. These girls are, I'm not being unkind, but these girls are are idol worshipers. Uh, They're pagans, uh, and God had given very clear commandments that they were not to intermarry with nonbelievers. I know this doesn't always sit right with a lot of folks down south, uh, but the commandment for intermarriage uh, has nothing to do with the color of skin and everything to do with the statue of belief. Amen. God had given very clear commandments uh, that the believing Jews were not to intermarry with the non-believing pagans. By the way, again, this doesn't sit well today, but that's still in the book. That's a New Testament commandment as well when it says not to be unequally yoked. Paul writes it. Still in the book, and we don't like to preach it because we're afraid it offends people, but it's still there. So now, daddy's dead.
0: Got two boys who were raised
1: the land of blessing who were in our vernacular were quote unquote good kids raised in church good kids brought up right raised the way they should be until daddy got a wild hair up him decided he knew more than god packs his family up, and he leaves the land of blessing, camps out in Moab. Uh, I I submit to you uh, that his desire to leave probably happened uh, even before the famine occurred, uh, and the famine gave him an excuse to exercise the flesh of his will, uh, and so he leaves, uh, and there are consequences now because his two sons are married to non-believers. It's worse.
0: Notice what happens. Please look with me if you would.
1: What it says in verse number four, took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah. I will never forget standing and listening to the preacher who said the name of the one was Oprah. That does not say Oprah. name of the one, those two letters are different. They're reversed. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. We've already stated this. They dwelled there about ten years.
0: Verse 5. Bad enough that daddy died. Now look at verse 5. Malon, Chilion died also. Both of them. Daddy's dead. Older son is dead. Younger son is
1: dead. Got three widows. No means of fiscal support. No means of financial stability. See, folks, I I, I say this with the utmost respect. Please hear me carefully what I'm about to say. God will do whatever is necessary. Get the attention. Of his children. Now, let me let me let me back that up with this statement. I don't believe that every runny nose and every stub toe you get is a mark of God's discipline upon your life. I just don't believe that. And I've heard some preachers preach that seem to indicate that. But I do believe that whom he loves chastens. You see, my children now are nineteen and twenty. Even though they are grown. Even though they are legally adults for the most part to, in terms of age, if I see something that lie ahead of them that I know has a potential to do harm, or if I see them going in a direction that I think would be problematic, do you think I'm going to ignore it? Why? I love them. If I see my daughter do something really stupid, you think I'm going to pop her upside the head? In fact, I'll do that just for fun. Amen. Lovingly. You know what I'm saying. Why? Why? Because I love them. Every parent in the room. I'll never forget, never, 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 before my mother got very sick, uh, my mother prided herself. uh, In fact, she would say many, many times, I never had to spank Greg. Uh, Not with her hand she didn't, but she picked up anything she could grab a hold of to hit me with. Amen. Amen. But she would also say to me on many occasions, I would look at her and I'd say, Mama, you got to go to the doctor. Mama, you got to take your medicine. Mama, you got to do this. And I'll never forget her looking at me and putting up that fat little boat, stubby hand and saying, Be quiet. I'm the mama. You hush. What did you do, preacher? Yes, ma'am. Why? Whom she loves, he chastens. Same principle applies here. I think, church, in fact, I've got Bible to back it up. God will ring our bell to get our attention. And if he doesn't ring our bell, we need to ask ourselves a real important question. Does he know us to begin with? Does he know us to begin with? There's death in this home. The death very quickly gives way to desperation. Why? Look quickly at verse number five. The woman was Left of her two sons and her husband. You see, the main character, the star, chapter number one is not Ruth. The star, the principal character, if you will, of chapter number one is in fact Naomi. And in fact, she's really a subplot of this entire little novella because you're gonna see that the main character is Ruth and subsequently Boaz, but the life of Naomi is also forever changed, and it happens here. You should understand that death
0: gave rise to defeat. You got three women. Defeated,
1: discouraged, desperate. Can I can I just stop a second again and we hit point number four, and I'll finally say, you want to destroy our family, destroy
0: your life, destroy those that you love,
1: wander out into Moab, because I promise you there's a price to pay. Number one, desperate circumstances gave rise to dangerous choices, deadly consequences. Finally tonight, in verse number six, there are... Deliberate changes. At verse 6, a key verse, and the first two words are absolutely critical because it speaks of Naomi's realization. Then she arose. First three words. Then she arose. I liken that to the day when the prodigal is wallowing in the hog pen. We heard Brother Joe preach on it last night, and he comes to himself. Then she arose, uh, look at verse 6, with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Somehow, some way word had gotten to Naomi that things were better back in Bethlehem. By the way, you don't have to wait till circumstances improve before you get back to God. But Naomi decided now's the time to turn back. Now's the opportunity. Perhaps this is divine that God has sent someone to tell me at my, think with me, at my lowest moment, when I don't have a husband, when I've buried both of my sons, when I've got no chance of survival, God sent somebody to my door to say, Why don't you come back home? Can I pause a moment and say, ain't that just like God? Ain't that just like God? When you get to your absolute lowest, when you get to the place where you are in your own personal pig pen, God sends somebody along to say, you don't have to stay here. There's bread back
0: at daddy's house. Verse number seven. Because it's a
1: beautiful picture of the decision that Naomi's got to make. Yes, she's heard. Yes, her life is in ruins. Yes, everything's falling apart. But now she's got to make a choice. Here's what she decides. Wherefore. I had a Bible teacher many years ago that says, whenever you come to the wherefore in the Bible, ask yourself, what's the wherefore, therefore? And it simply means because of everything that happened in verse number six, Wherefore, because of that, consequently, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way
0: to return to the land of
1: Judah. Naomi hears that things are better back at the house, back in Bethlehem, back in the promised land. Word comes to her. Naomi, uh, I think, has to make the most important decision that she's made since she left uh, Bethlehem. Do I stay here where I've got nothing, uh, or do I go back to the promised land uh, out of the wilderness? Naomi wisely puts her belongings together,
0: packs her luggage,
1: turns her back on Moab as we're heading to Jerusalem. you listen to me carefully. That is a beautiful, beautiful picture of repentance. Repentance simply says, I'm going this way. To the providence and inspiration of God, I recognize that this is not the way I should be going.
0: So I'm going to turn around. Go this way. What repentance is. What about these girls.
1: Listen carefully what I'm about to say. We'll talk about this next week. Malon and Chilion were raised in church. These girls weren't. Malon and Chilion were raised in a godly environment. These girls weren't. Malon and Chilion knew and heard the stories of how God had blessed the nation of Israel. These girls knew nothing. Naomi can't provide for her. Naomi can't provide for herself. Bless these daughters-in-law. So now Naomi's made the right decision. She's repented, if you will, of her backslidden condition, and now she's on that journey back to the place of blessing. But these girls aren't backslidden. These girls are lost. They never met God.
0: They don't know the God. Naomi, what's going to happen
1: to them? Father, thank you for the time tonight the opportunity that you've given us to begin unfolding this beautiful book of Ruth, the story that is such a clear and crystal example of the perfectioning work of amazing grace. Lord, as we unravel its riches and begin to study its wonderful lyrical beauty of language, God, I pray that you'd help us to not only rationalize it in our minds, the beautiful nature of it, but also understand the significance of it spiritually. Helping us to see that, Lord, we were also in many times, many cases like Naomi, wandering away from the land of blessing, wandering out into our own spiritual wilderness. And thank God, uh, you 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 allow us to come back home. Lord, it also is very clear, as Naomi says in verse twenty-one, she left Bethlehem the first time full. When she comes back, she's empty. It's prices to pay for. Wilderness Wanderings. Lord, again, I pray that as we study this book together, it would strengthen our faith, help us to continue to fight valiantly the calls that you've laid out before us to win men, win men and women, boys and girls, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed tonight. Thank you for being here this evening. Don't forget Friday night, 5.30. Thank you so much, church.